This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and wholehogsports.com. When this football schedule came out, I think everybody looked at the stretch of games that were coming up in, in the end of September through middle October and thought, this is going to tell you a lot about the Arkansas football team. I think what's happened is that the first three weeks have told us a lot about the Arkansas football team and that things aren't necessarily horrible with this team, but they're not real great either. It's, it's a team that's kind of good enough to be competitive, you would think, maybe with some of these other teams in the SEC, but are they good enough to beat a lot of teams in the SEC? That's that's really the question coming out of the BYU game when Arkansas loses 38-31. to 31. I'm Matt Jones, and with Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman today, you know, the losing to BYU, there's there's nothing to be ashamed of there. BYU's a, a good program. Uh, obviously, the, it's in the Big 12 now. This is a Power 5 game. You lose to any Power 5 opponent, and, you know, every Power 5 opponent goes into a game thinking that they've got a chance to win. It's the way Arkansas lost the game, though, that I think has people concerned about the direction of this 2023 team. The penalties are an issue. The turnovers uh, for the first time this year were an issue, uh, you know, the, the, there's just there's something kind of off about this team. Obviously, the offensive line has, has been something uh, that we've talked about the first couple of weeks. Uh, didn't look great against Western Carolina. Uh, didn't look great against Kent State. And then you play a more physical, powerful football team like BYU. And some of those things that, that we've been talking about really got exposed a little bit on Saturday night. Now you go into a stretch where you're playing Texas A&M and LSU and Alabama and a lot of these SEC programs that are big line of scrimmage type teams. And I think you got to worry about where they are right now, Scotty. Yeah, that's that's true. And it was interesting to hear Sam after the game on Saturday say that the guys played hard. They just didn't play smart. And I think that that in itself is kind of a concern um, for me. You know, you've got. I don't know. It's just it, the other night. It was crazy to see all of the penalties thrown. You know, some of them were questionable. Obviously, I think, and like especially the Luke has uh, pass interference penalty. Um, maybe there were some other ones that just aren't popping off the the top of my head. Um, but Brady Latham having what four or five penalties the other night, just four. totally out of yeah, just totally out of character. Uh, I think. Like Arkansas offensively is just out of character um, based on what we've seen in the past. Um, I don't know, man. There's just there's so much that just seems out of sync right now. And I think a lot of it does have to do with um, with the play up front. Like Sam has always said, it's a big man's league. And and right now, you know, his offensive line is um, it's still trying to gel. I mean, that's that could not be more obvious. And I think, you know, KJ's a little bit dinged up. You don't have Rocket. Um, and then, you know, I think they're still searching for reliable, steady play, you know, from playmakers like at, at receiver. Like Andrew Armstrong and Luke Has were about all Arkansas had uh, in the passing game the other day. I just looked at the pro football focus numbers. And, you know, if you look at, pass catchers who are not running backs so tight ends and receivers um Luke has and Andrew Armstrong were the only guys that had receiving grades over 70 
you look at Isaiah Satania, Tyrone Broden, Isaac Tesla, and Jaden Wilson. Um, all those guys had grades in the 50s, um, which is, you know, doesn't exactly inspire a whole lot of confidence. It's just, I think some playmakers are going to have to emerge. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that, that, you know, BYU was able to maybe limit what Isaac Tesla could do. Andrew Armstrong had a good night. Lucas had a good night. Um, I think they've, they've got to find some playmakers um, on the perimeter, I think, to to try to help KJ out. Because it's it's kind of clear to me, especially we saw him with like a couple times the other night with like one guy between him and the goal line and he ran out of bounds. So it's kind of clear to me that he's not 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we'll, we'll, we'll ever know like truly the extent of um, how his body feels. But um, I don't know, man. It's the first three weeks have been pretty puzzling. And then now your reward is you get to go to the number 12 team in the country um, that looked like a top five team last weekend. So um, going to be interesting to hear what what maybe Sam has to say on Wednesday uh, on the teleconference and then in the afternoon, just kind of how the what the vibe is this week. He, he, he thought the vibe was good last week. Um, and then just, you know, with all the penalties and mistakes and stuff, it just, just didn't seem like Arkansas played completely focused last week whatsoever. Yeah, KJ just didn't look right during the game. And, and we kept remarking on that as we were watching it. it. It wasn't just the runs where he ran out of bounds, which is so uncharacteristic for him. You know, he's such a bruising runner. He's the type that always wants to take contact. Uh, but, you know, he's such a good passer, down the field passer, 10, 15, 20 yards and farther. Uh, and, and those passes didn't look like they had the same zip on them. It looked like, you know, they were... Uh, you know, on, on his throws, a lot of times he's got more kind of lofted type throws. And these were throws that were dying, you know, at the feet of receivers or, you know, maybe the receivers were having to go back and and, and make a tougher play on the ball than than typically they would. And, you know, we saw this last year and, and we've talked about it ad nauseum. We've we've written about it when Jefferson is not right. Uh, the offense is not right. You know, so much of their success offensively uh, runs through a healthy KJ Jefferson. Last year, perfect example. He's not right against Liberty. They lose that game. He doesn't play against Mississippi State, doesn't play against LSU. The offense looks all sorts of out of sync in, in those two games. And, you know, I think they've got to get KJ Jefferson um, healthy, or do you have to put Jacoby Criswell in there? You know, and, and we don't know what the the, the severity of, of Jefferson's injury or if it's even an injury, it may just be soreness that he's dealing with or it's, it's been kind of vague. Uh, but I think anybody who watched that game the other night, uh, you know, will will come to the same conclusion. It didn't look like a normal KJ, but it seems to me, you know, Pittman has been so defensive, I think, about the play of the offensive line through two weeks uh, that, that that was I mean, it, the offensive line play hurt them so badly in this BYU game. And and Ethan, I know you, you know, we we talked about the the look ahead that you've done with BYU, we knew how physical they were defensively, big guys across uh, the line of scrimmage. And uh, they they exposed Arkansas, I think, a little bit the other night. Yeah, and what was so, you know, head-scratching to me about this game is the first drive for Arkansas was just so promising, I think, from an offensive line standpoint. Um, it's a great whenever start. That- it was, I mean, it, the game felt eerily similar to me to that Texas A&M game last year to where you walked away at the end, you know, Arkansas had such a hot start and you're thinking mm-hmm. kind of in your head like, oh, this one could maybe be over fast. And you're walking away at the end of the night saying, like, I, I still don't think BYU is a better team than Arkansas. I 
kind of how I felt about A&M last year. I just think Arkansas kind of beat itself between penalties on the line, between they got very predictable, especially in the first half of, I think they ran on first down every single play of the first half. Um, It just, it was one of those games that you knew BYU was coming in there um, inspired to try and win. You know, last year, whenever Arkansas and BYU played, I think just because of what Arkansas had been through, it was kind of a, you know, I, Sam Pittman's even said it was kind of the must-win mentality for the team. I'm not sure Arkansas had that, and now in hindsight, going into this now four-game stretch, uh, it, I mean, it kind of feels like it really should have been a must-win mentality as far as this is, it's not going to get any easier from here, and if you're beating yourself against a team like BYU, you aren't going to have the, you don't have the luxury against an LSU to make those same type of mistakes. I think that it was just one of those type of games where Arkansas really really needed it um number one just for kind of momentum heading into this this swing now last year that loss to a&m came after he'd already had some really positive moments against you know cincinnati and south carolina mm-hmm. um this loss comes I, I it just isn't really good for the team's mentality i don't think entering this stretch now that you still have a lot of questions after week three and you don't really have a lot to hang your hat on right now i just think the thing for arkansas that's it's frustrating is that Every time you feel like the, the program may be stepping in, you know, a, a positive direction, they have a loss like this that that knocks them back. And this isn't to compare BYU to North Texas or Western Kentucky or Colorado State or any of those types of Liberty, even last year, uh, teams that have beat them in the past. But uh, I don't know, you, you get to a certain point where you expect them to win their non-conference games and uh, especially your non-conference games at home. And. I mean, I, I was looking at this the other day. Just just look at all the teams that have beaten Arkansas in Fayetteville over the last several years. A lot of the teams I just mentioned, you think about, uh, you know, you go back to 2015, they lose to Toledo. They lose to uh, Texas Tech when Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback. They lost to TCU. There's a there's a baffling lack of, of home field advantage, I feel like, for Arkansas. And uh, I don't know. I just I can't quite put my finger on it, Scotty. Yeah, I can't either. That's a pretty incredible list of of teams that they've lost to. Well, I haven't uh, mentioned ULM and Rutgers and I mean, yeah, you kind of man, go on and on for the last 11 years or so. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I think um, I was, especially after Arkansas got up 14-0 uh, with that Isaiah Satania punt return for a touchdown, which, I mean, I think that's another guy that you've got to try to figure out a way to get him more heavily involved in other areas than just punt return. Like the guy has shown you (laughs) through the first three weeks, how explosive he is. Why can't, why can't his role on offense, you know, be greater? Um, You put the ball in his hands in some space. And and I think if anything, the punt returns show that if he, you do get him in space that he's as electric as anybody Arkansas has had, um, and quite some time, especially at like the the skill, like at the receiver position, um, and on special teams. But going back to like when they were up 14-0, I'm just like, yeah, they got it. They've got it. Like they refocused from from Kent State. Um, at that point, I had a lot of confidence in the defense because they hadn't let anybody get by them uh, or behind them in in the passing game. Run defense has been good. Um, and the defensive line can create havoc. And it's not just like one guy, two guys that are doing it. Like Torian Carter and Kiwi Rose, I saw on this, I think it was SEC Stat Cat, um, like havoc plays through the first couple of weeks. And Kiwi Rose and Torian Carter, guys that we don't really talk about a whole lot, 
um, were leading the team in like havoc plays. Um, so it felt pretty good in the defense, and I just didn't think they were going to lose it. And now I think I'm almost to the point where them dropping like these non-con home games or just like big games at home, like I'm not going to be totally surprised by it. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I just, I've, I've only been covering the team, I guess, since the beginning of the Chad Morris era. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm jaded a little bit and and based on, on the, um, some of the past home performances I've seen, but um, yeah, I just think they're, they're not invincible at home, even in, in non-conference. Uh, I think that's, that's gotta be where you, uh, you gotta win your non-con games at home, especially like you played in front of the eighth largest home crowd um, that that stadium's ever seen. And you walk away from that game with more questions than you probably have answers right now. And that that's not a great place to to be going into, uh, especially in Sam's fourth year. And then, you know, you got SEC play coming up. It's, it's, I, I understand the unrest um, with the fan base. You know, you figure you'd be maybe farther along um, in year four. And there's still a lot of games to go and the, the narrative could certainly change. But um, I think a lot of things internally have to have to change before I feel like you got a great deal of confidence in this team again. Yeah, and I just think that that game, Arkansas just did so many things to kind of take away the home field advantage per se. Like they were up 14-0, everything's going their way, and then a shanked punt leads to BYU's. So BYU scored their first three touchdowns. Um, The first one, they started at their own 47, great field position. Second one, they scored, um, that drive started at the Arkansas 45. And then they had one touchdown drive before the end of the half that they actually kind of went in the field. They started at their own 30, but it just felt like Arkansas made decisions. I know everybody likes to point to that fourth, trying to go for it on fourth down um, that first or second drive of the, of the second half, whenever you're up 10, but that's the type of thing that can kind of change the complete momentum and take a crowd out of it. It seemed like at that point, Arkansas had figured it out. BYU had only scored with short fields other than that one drive in the first half. And then Arkansas is up 10. And I was talking to Scotty about this. It kind of feels like there's almost a mentality of like, oh, if we get this fourth down, we completely swing the momentum in our way that we aren't going to lose this game. But sometimes I think playing that conservative, your defense hadn't given up any touchdowns. Um, They'd given up one touchdown that really was just a great drive by the offense. The other two were kind of, you know, you point to special teams, gave them great position. It's it's like at that point, a punt would have been, in my opinion, the worst thing in the world for Arkansas. If you're going to make BYU at least earn a long touchdown drive, I mean, you could probably in that field position, even a shanked punt at that point, they're still going to start in their own territory pretty deep. I think it was at like the 50-yard line where they went for it. But decisions like that, and I just at this point, I don't remember the last time that kind of, one of those early fourth down deciding to go for it. They've converted some fourth downs, I feel like, later in games. But at this point, you're up 10 and you're going for it, a big risk. And that completely, I, the, I think the mindset was we're going to take all the momentum out of this one or we're going to swing all the momentum our way and we're going to kind of cruise to win after this if we get it. Um, but not getting it, like BYU was kind of on its heels and then you just give it to them in great field position um it just felt like things like that Arkansas took the home crowd out of it whenever there was an opportunity to really swing it but 
that's just my two cents on on kind of that decision. And it felt like all game between, you know, shanked punts, decisions like that, that kind of took the crowd out of it. Sam Pittman, during the offseason leading up to the 2022 season, talked so much. Scotty and I have both heard this multiple times about not pressing. He talked about the 21 Auburn game. He pressed. He went for it on fourth down near midfield. He, you know, these decisions, he kept going back to if we just punt it and we let our defense play, that's, that's a totally different game. And how he had learned from that. And you look at their last three games in Fayetteville where they have lost to Liberty last year, LSU last year, BYU this year. All three of those games you can point to a critical fourth down failure somewhere near the middle of the field. Liberty, they stop Arkansas. It leads to one of their touchdowns. They win by two points. LSU, they stop Arkansas. I think on Arkansas' side of the field, it leads to a short field. In their only touchdown of the game, they win by three points. BYU the other day, they win by a touchdown that was set up by a short field. So I don't know. It just it just feels like, you know, this this all this talk of that we're not going to press anymore. There have been a lot of pressing in these last few home games, Scotty. Yeah, I think there definitely has been. And I've been going back and looking through Arkansas's fourth down conversion. Uh, game log on on CFB stats um, this morning and just looking at you know what Sam's what what Arkansas's done on fourth down you know since Sam's been here and last year they were nine for twenty um, on fourth down for the year and you know you go back to that Liberty game they went six times converted four times um, next week against LSU they went zero for two so that was a stretch where they went. F- like four for eight on fourth down, mm-hmm. you know, in, in close games, just didn't have great success. Um, and this year, you know, Arkansas, it's through three weeks. I mean, you can almost guarantee that Arkansas is going to go for it on fourth down at least twice. Um, I just think, I think uh, to me, the decision to go for it on fourth down up 10 in the third quarter was Sam saying, look, we're going to make a statement against a solid team my guys are going to beat their guys up front and we're going to like seize total control of this game. But I don't think that the offensive line is at a point yet where it can impose its will. Like even and I think even in that situation, um, I think you've got to, I think you've got to zoom out and see the bigger picture, even in those moments when it's really hard. Um, you know, you just you got to trust your defense because your defense had not done you anything at that point in the game to lose the game or give you any doubt that, you know, BYU could just run up and down the field on because they hadn't to that point. Um, maybe other than the the one drive Ethan mentioned that they drove the field. You got to trust your defense. I think, right, I think in that moment, Sam wants to trust his offensive line, but I think to that point in the season, I think your defense was more trustworthy than your offensive line. And I think you got to zoom out and and trust your defense and just, you know, you just got to manage the game. You got to manage the game and and trust your defense to get the, get a stop um, and let your offense reset and, uh, you know, try to go get points the next time you get the ball. They're trying to show confidence in their offensive line. There's no doubt about it, Um, but it's backfiring on them. Ethan, you got a thought? Yeah. I just think that's, what's concerning is that, I mean, if you zoom out, I think the past two weeks, they might be two for four on fourth down. But 
one of those fourth down conversions was that on the last drive of the game, the deep pass to Luke has on like a fourth and 18 or something that you had to have. It's these fourth and two, fourth and one that they have a problem with, which I just think there's a, there's a time whenever you got to take a step back and say, we're not good in these situations. Why are we doing this? Um, Especially at that point in the game this past week, just being up 10, you have momentum. Your defense, I know people look at the final score and see 38 points put up by BYU, but I felt like the defense, if you just watch that game, they didn't play terrible. And at that point, like I said, they hadn't given up just long drives. That's just the type of play that completely takes the momentum. If you don't get it, you're doing the complete opposite of what you were trying to do by getting it. And you're kind of making a game that's still, even if you punt it away and they score a long touchdown, I still think you feel good about your offense coming back out, but it's like those head scratching going for it that I think kind of, you know, it just sucks the air out of, (laughs) out of the stadium whenever you don't get it, especially whenever you aren't getting it on a fourth and one, it's just kind of reinforcing that your line isn't where it needs to be at. And I know a lot of people are upset too, with not going under center, they're doing it, having that play come out of the shotgun. It's just, I don't know, those type of plays seem to really defeat kind of the whole momentum of the game. One thing that I've thought about with the with the going under center type stuff is Bo Lemmer's banged up, right? Quarterback's banged up, right? Is it the is it the best thing to like run to to have the core of the play, you know, involve like when you need a foot or you need a yard to have like the core of of your offense? And the 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 two guys that are banged up are the guys that are basically driving the play, right? Like me and Tom were actually he came over on Sunday and we watched the the Falcons put the put the Packers away. The Falcons got under I think the uh yeah, it was the Falcons got up under center, fourth and short. Um, and there's a quick pitch to the side or a quick pitch to the perimeter. I think there's other ways, like it doesn't just have to be a quarterback sneak. Like you can, you know, you can throw other wrinkles in there um to maybe convert on fourth and short to where it doesn't put a hundred percent of the stress on your your banged up offensive line. I think you can utilize some some guys that that have some speed and can, you know, maybe make a guy miss on the on the perimeter and, and get you the the yards you need. Um we can put a lot of emphasis on on fourth down. And Arkansas was obviously really bad on third down too. I think they were two for 13. Yeah. Um but I think all of that leads to like Arkansas's just got to be more efficient on first and second down. You know what I mean? Like like Sam mentioned the other night, you know, they wanting to get like four or five yards on first down. I don't know what the success rate. I don't know if they hit hit their mark or if their average on first and second down or first down was was four yards. I don't know that. Um, but I think, you know, you look ahead to to LSU, Arkansas has had like next to zero success on third down against LSU since Sam's been here. So I think a big emphasis has got to be placed on staying ahead of the chains and like trying to meet your success rates uh, and your success goals on first and second down to, you know, alleviate some, some third and fourth down pressure. I'm glad you said that because, you know, there's so much emphasis on this fourth and one, you know, not, not being able to make it there. They're not converting on third and one. They're not converting on third and two. They're setting up a lot of these fourth down situations. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that these first down, uh, like how I said, they kind of got predictable there in the first half against BYU. It's these first down runs that are um, setting up second and 11 or like they're losing yards on some of these. And I think Sam alluded to this as well, that it's kind of been boom or bust that they're either getting four to four or five yards or they're kind of taking a loss on some of these plays. 
it's it, it seems like the drives you're either getting three and outs or kind of sustained drives. It's it's that first drive I feel like has just dictated so much of the success of the offense, uh, and a lot of it has to do with those first down runs whenever they're losing yardage. The Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King Design Display Signage, KendallKing.com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G.com. The Kendall King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally, to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies... Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! Arkansas and LSU this weekend, it's a six o'clock kickoff in Death Valley. The Tigers are number 12 this week after they beat Mississippi State really thoroughly over the weekend, 41 to 14. That looks like a good team, and, and Florida State looks like a good team. That's that's where LSU's loss came from, obviously, in week one. Uh, it feels like Arkansas may be stepping into a little bit of a hornet's nest down in Baton Rouge this weekend. It's going to be LSU's first big home game. They played Florida State in Orlando. They played Grambling at home. That's not going to, you know, obviously bring too many people out to Baton Rouge for that game. They went to Mississippi State, so now they get their big home game. You know, it's kind of similar to what Arkansas had last week, only on a, a much greater scale because of the the great home field advantage that LSU uh, enjoys. It's it's their first big home game of the season against Arkansas. Uh, wanted to talk about the defense for a minute because I, I don't know how to feel about Arkansas's defensive performance the other day. Yes, they only gave up 281 yards, but the question I keep coming back to is how many more yards would they have given up had BYU not had short field? Uh, BYU, to its credit, they were able to you know score – Every time that Arkansas gave them a short field, whether it be uh, the the fourth and one failure, whether it be a a turnover, whether it be a shanked punt, there were numerous opportunities where BYU got the ball on a short field and it it went down and scored on all of them. I don't know how I feel about Arkansas's defensive performance the other night. You know, from a a run game perspective, it was really good. BYU had the the big 45-yarder that it popped for a touchdown in the first quarter. But otherwise, I think it had 30 carries for 32 yards. So that's really good defensive performance. Arkansas right now ranks fifth nationally in run defense. I think that element of Arkansas's defense has been pretty good. I guess what I'm not sure about is, is how I felt about Arkansas from a, a, a pass game standpoint. BYU, there were a lot of incompletions, but there were also a lot of real big plays through the passing game. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, we didn't, like I mentioned earlier, we didn't really see Arkansas's opponents. Granted, they weren't, weren't the... Um, were super great tests i would i would say for arkansas secondary they didn't really have anybody run behind them um but i think byu threw in enough wrinkles where you know they really tested arkansas's discipline and they took complete advantage like that throwback um for i think it was a 37 yard touchdown we could see it opening up you know a couple seconds before the play happened and they had a guy just running absolutely free um, and then I think it was on another touchdown, maybe a 20 yarder, um, I think going toward the North end zone where they kind of had, what was it like a throwback screen or a screen of some sort? And it was mm-hmm. just like the red sea parted. They mm-hmm. had it blocked up perfectly. Um, Arkansas just wasn't assignment sound as they had been in the previous weeks. 
And that's not a really good combination when you're, you know, facing an, an uptick in athleticism and um, playmaking ability with, with BYU. And um, even on like the Chase Roberts game, one, the, the touchdown catch that ultimately, you know, was the, the go ahead score for BYU. Chase Roberts crossed right across Jaden Johnson's face and Jaden just kind of got stuck in quicksand and, you know, just didn't react to, to what was happening in front of him. Um, you know, and, and credit to Chase Roberts for making a hell of a catch. That was a that was a phenomenal grab, but I feel like you got to react to what, what's happening in front of you. Um, and as a safety, that you're the last line of defense, man. And he just crossed right in front of Jaden, um, made a great play. But yeah, the the defense, I think it was yeah, I don't I don't really know. I thought Landon Jackson had a solid night. Um, I think he's kind of showing that he can be kind of a disruptor uh, on the defensive line. I think he's got like 11 tackles this year, six or six and a half are for loss. So he's playing pretty well. Um, but I just look at some of these, like I'm looking at the PFF grades from the other night. Arkansas's tackling was just, was not great. I think it was by far their lowest tackling grade um, in a single game. Jaheim Thomas had four missed tackles. Um, I think he easily leads Arkansas in, in missed tackles this year. He's got seven through three games. Um, which is not ideal. And then other guys that were, you know, kind of involved in in quite a few plays like Snacks Johnson, Jaheim Singletary, those two guys had three missed tackles between them too. So they weren't is it, all the all the missed tackles except for Jaheim Thomas, you know, were were guys in the secondary. You just you've got to be you got to be a little bit more sound than that. And, you know, I thought Arkansas's corners played okay. Uh they played five of them. Um, so maybe they're just trying to trying to get a feel for what they what they've got going into into SEC play but it was it definitely was a mixed bag I kind of thought they they played better um than what what some of these numbers were showing but uh, I think the missed tackles was was maybe what stood out to me the most that and you know maybe being a little bit undisciplined in, in the back end yeah and I just did some quick math uh looking at BYU's drive charts I think that um I still feel good about the defensive performance on uh 10 of the possessions that BYU started within its own 30, Arkansas forced punts on seven of those. I think the field position battle really killed Arkansas. BYU scored a, a majority of its points off these drives that started at or around the 50-yard line. I think Arkansas's defense, whenever they had to make BYU work the whole field, actually held up pretty well. Um, I think of those three drives, as I said, they started within their own like 35 Um which 35 is still pretty generous, but I think they had a touchdown drive that started from their own 31. They had one that started from a kickoff. So I guess that would have been from the, is that the 25 yard line? Um, and then they scored a field goal on another one. So I think they scored 17 points on just like drives where they really had to go earn it. Um, I think Arkansas's defense held up all right for the, for the most part it was just those short whenever BYU got a short field it felt like they were going to score and even on that one drive that they got a short field you thought Arkansas was going to catch a break with a delay a game penalty uh, or with the stop on the fake field goal but instead the delay a game penalty gave them another crack at a field goal so it was one of those type of nights I feel like the Arkansas success this year is going to come down to what kind of uh, is there going to be kind of like a, a stroke of genius coaching decision somewhere in the middle of the year uh, that turns this ship around a little bit because right now I don't think people feel real good, especially about the next four weeks where you're playing LSU and A&M and Ole Miss and Alabama. I think most people would probably say that if Arkansas gets out of this stretch at one and three, it was maybe a good stretch as, as hard as it is 
uh, to believe that. I think if you go two and two over the next four weeks, you're you're ecstatic based on maybe the feeling uh, that's that's surrounding uh, the the program, the fan base, however you want to phrase that. Right now, I feel like there's going to have to be some changes along the offensive line. I don't know what they are. Uh, maybe it's a matter of some of these players who are dinged up like a Devin Manuel. Maybe it's a matter of them getting healthy. Uh, I wonder if Bo Limmer is the right is, is the right center for this team. Uh, yeah. We've seen him over the last few years. He's he's been a very good guard. And one of the things that that we have seen this year is that he has not been. And I think the PFF numbers will back this up. He has not been as dominant at center as I think that they thought he would be. And so much of offensive line play, and we've heard Pittman say this throughout the years, whether it was when he was an offensive line coach here under Brett Bielema or since he's been the head coach, so much offensive line play is getting your best five players on the field. And I just wonder if moving Limmer away from the center position and back to the guard position where we know he's really good, does that allow you to put another quality lineman somewhere along the line? I don't know, uh, but it's something I'm, I'm really interested in watching over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think there's, I know there's obviously been some talk about that on our, our message board. And I think we came out of, me and, me and you, Matt, probably came out of week two thinking that might be the best course of action. Um, but if, if yeah, I know that Bo's future might in the NFL might be at center, but I think you've got to, you got to think right now, right? Like you, you're playing for the here and now. Right? Yeah, like you now. Yep. yeah, like you obviously, you want these guys to, uh, be prepared for you know what's ahead of them in the NFL, but I think you've got to kind of like Eric Musselman's doing. Like you got to, you got to. He does it with a lot of his teams. Like he's just like we're going to do what it takes to win here and now. Mm -hmm. um, Dave Van Horn did it last year with the baseball team, moving his best yeah. starter Hagen Smith to the bullpen because he said that's what gives us the best chance to win right yeah. now. We'll worry about everything else when that day comes along. We got to worry about this game. Yeah, and I think the only thing that for me gives me pause and it, it it's a it's a big pause granted like the guy that's touching the ball on every snap it would be who Amari Wiggins um I'm not sure that he's I'm not sure that he's played this season he's played eight total snaps um to this point in the season and all of them came in the uh in the season opener so maybe he is getting some work I'm sure he is getting some work in the um in practice. And I think anytime we've seen fastball, he's been like the number two guy at center. Um, it just might be a lot of weight uh, to put on a guy, you know, your potentially your first, your first college start could be, you know, at some point, you know, in this pretty <laughs> tough, tough stretch of conference play. I don't know if that's, that's ideal, but um, I don't know that, that what's happening right now is ideal either. I think if we, if we have learned anything about Sam Pittman, it's that he's not going to just sit back and allow things to be the way they are, that he's going to be proactive. I mean, you think about some of the the coaching changes that he's made, whether it be a strength and conditioning coach, whether it be a, a position coach who isn't getting the job done in recruiting. Uh, he's he's very proactive in making changes. And, and I think we've even seen that in season, you know, to a certain extent at some different positions. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm not saying the offensive line is the only problem, but it's it's certainly the glaring problem, and I, I just I'm, I'm interested to see uh, what kind of in season adjustments they make there along the line. We'll be back with another whole hog football podcast later in the week to talk about Arkansas and LSU. Hope you'll come to wholehogsports.com before then to read all of our coverage, not just on the football team, but we've also got coverage on baseball, softball, basketball, uh, pretty much every other sport on campus. Wholehogsports.com.
Until then, I am Matt Jones with Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Whole Hog Football Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media. 